as hard to go 0 for 3 as it is to go 3 and 0. It's just <laughs> as hard. All right, just because you strike out the first night on Twitter doesn't mean anything, okay? Oh, oh yeah, that's Twitter. what you're talking about. Yeah, all right, all right. I went 0 for 3 picking games last night. Yeah. It's okay, it's early. Oh, it's early. Okay. It's early. Well, welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. Glad to be here, and we are a day removed from opening nights. I'm Luke Near, your host of the program. To my left, going clockwise, Guthrie Alexander around the table. And then Evening. we got Taylor Pilkington, our executive producer. And then in Vegas, Mike Jaffe. That's me. He needs no title. We've already got it. Right yeah, I've him. got it. It's Vegas <laughs> Mike. It's an honorific. It might change this year. You might be Charlestown. Charlestown, Chuck. Charlie, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, I like it all. I like it all. I'm open to. I really like the Biloxi Bandit because you know they have it. It's legal in Mississippi that, too. So, anyways. So here is have our order of business. Have you ever been to Mississippi? No, no. I've heard it's the worst state in the uh, in the whole union, but that's all I hear. That's my family. We talked about watching. <laughs> anyways, Luke, bring us, bring Here's us, what we have center tonight. us, center um, us. We're gonna ask the question: What did we learn last night? What did we learn from opening night? How can we ever react? So that'll be our first segment. Uh, are, are people overreacting? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, so I tried to remove myself from any takes, even though it was all over. Not, not only niche media, but it was over the national media what happened last night. So well, I, I tried you. to remove myself. I put myself in a little bit put of a Put Duke cave. in the NBA. That's what I said. On my drive in today, I heard Brent Musburger set odds for Fab Five versus Duke, oh, and gosh. he favored Duke by four and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah, I would they say maybe Bama. I would say maybe there's been some overreaction tonight. Also, why put the Fab Five up against them? Can we put a team who won the title up against them? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe, I don't team, know. maybe they just, I use undefeated run or something. Okay, that's just me. yeah. It's it's no good. It's so no good. Uh, we're also gonna get in touch with an assistant coach for Army West Point. Zach Bover is gonna join us. He's also uh, a writer at PickandPop.net. He operates that. Website doing some great stuff on X's and O's and more. So we're going to do a deep dive later on in the show into the Syracuse zone. That is correct. We're going to break that down with him. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, Zach does great work at pickandpop.net. You know, I think it's kind of a theme of the ACC Basketball Degenerates. We are not exclusive. It's not like we think that we hold all knowledge of all things no, basketball. Not at all. I think the more that we can educate our readers about what educates us, the better off we'll all be as a basketball community, and I'll be running in 2020 on that same platform. Excellent. I think it's clear that we decidedly do not hold all knowledge about <laughs> college basketball. Okay, before we go any further, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Please subscribe to the podcast if you have not already, and tell your friends about it. And you know what? This is you know, the way I think about things. You don't even have to have your friends listen to it. It's just like a, a two punches on iTunes, and then boom, we're there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, my wife was at dinner and subscribed on someone else's phone That's while wonderful. they were in the bathroom. Super See, awkward. That is love. And we right got there. five I was stars. Gonna say, she she cares. Yeah, she does. She's a giver. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell you. That trying to juice our last. stats. Juicing the stats here. <laughs> anyway, we, we don't care if you live this one star. That's fine. Yeah. Just tell us what you have to say. And send us send us some notes. Be constructive though in your criticism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and interact just with, with us on Twitter. You can find us at ACCBballDegens. Yes. We're, we're pretty jotty on the spots, you know, if we're locked in. Like, we're locked mm-hmm. in early in the season this year. Right. I'm really proud of you guys. No, now, I come agree. like January 17th, it's going to be Taylor and I in a dark room. And mm-hmm. that's going to be, you know, there's all, it's a, it's an annual tradition yeah. podcast, <laughs> just the two of us. But and it was clear on Twitter last night that Taylor had been drinking. 
as I see as I see tweets firing off you know late at night as Kentucky is just spiraling downward um, did you talk to any of your relatives it would have been clear that Taylor no it was tough to watch you didn't talk to relatives why not well you married into this uh, my we'll share a little personal news my father-in-law who's probably you know diehard big blue right big Kentucky guy he uh was out of town actually in Kentucky. So if mm-hmm. I had been watching it with him, it would have been very painful because I would have had to experience, you know, his misery secondhand. It, mm-hmm. it well, at least you didn't go. At least he didn't go. You know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's dig in. Duke, Kentucky. I watched the first half with Guthrie, and then kind of we kind of both zoned out. I mean, I think after about five minutes, Guthrie, we were. We pretty knew, pretty much knew the outcome. I rarely say that, but yeah. you can get a feel for teams very quickly. That's why Taylor loves a lot. But it, it, yeah, it got out of hand real quick, and I just didn't even see a live bet. Honestly, I was waiting for it. I was just waiting for it. It's like, is Kentucky going to show any any signs of life? I w- I was watching. Taylor walked into that trap. <laughs> yeah, well, I was watching the line change, and you could see that usually it'll change in line with you know how what the differential in the game is and you could see that there were still a lot of people chasing Kentucky mm-hmm. because uh, the line was staying lower than it normally would in yeah. any other game yeah. and it just kept getting higher and higher and higher and then you know it was when all I, over could I tell you when I, I knew it was over when Kentucky was taking transition 20 footers toeing the line jump shots like pulling up off the dribble Trey Young style that's when I knew it was over I, like I it's thought, over when once I started seeing those and they were contested as well I mean like, Kentucky, what are you doing like, what are you doing I don't care if you're a freshman yeah I mean they're very talented I thought they looked like shell-shocked they just I mean clearly right they just got they were yeah. not expecting yeah this. they were in a game that involved a lot of hype and they forgot when they got there that none of that hype was about them you know, so they got there, and the hype just ran all over them. That that hype train ran uh, absolutely all over them. Um, so yeah, they looked overwhelmed at times. I, you know, I thought that Reed Travis for a lot of that game looked like he did not have a place on that floor. Um, and Jay Williams said I mean, he's it, a Pac-12 player. Yeah, he said it at halftime <laughs> that they should be working through him. I don't know that it was a game that you work through Reed Travis. Um, and honestly, Duke. Could do no wrong last night. I, you know, I don't know that there is a a made jumper that's more valuable in college basketball than a made jumper made by Zion Williamson at this point. Because if he makes one or two, all people freak out. They don't know what to do. You know, because you're you're meant to play four or five feet off of he him. Splashed his to first a, three. And as soon as yeah. he hit that three, that standstill three, and then hit a little pull, step back, uh, you know, eighteen footer at the top of the key, you kind of knew that it was going to be a long night for Kentucky in terms of keeping him in check. And they did not. Um, obviously. The four freshmen uh, scored more points than all of Kentucky, uh, outscored them 86 to 82. Well, just from a number standpoint, okay, so RJ Barrett, 33 points, six assists, Zion, 28 points, seven rebounds, Cam Reddish, 22 points, four steals, just notable stats there. And uh, Duke as a team had a 1.44 offensive efficiency well, number. I'll, I'll tell you the biggest number. That's well, a point per possession. Which is, yes. A point yeah. per possession, which yeah. for contrast, I just want to say this. Last year's Villanova team, the highest offensive efficiency in the nation was 127.8 last season. Mm-hmm. You know what the mm-hmm. craziest stat of the entire night was? And I haven't listened to anything, so I'm sure I, I hope this has not been said, but 
four turnovers Every in about a thousand possessions. They yeah. only turned the ball over four times. Yeah, that right. was yeah, did, you, did you know Zion insane. played point guard until ninth grade? Yeah. Sure, everyone is telling you that. Yeah, he made some awesome bounce yeah. passes through the lane. Yeah. The, the thing was, there was nowhere that R.J. Barrett could not go with his Euro step. I mean, you know, mm. his frame and the way that he got into the lane, and he 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 was able to go wherever he wanted to go in Indianapolis. Um, so we'll see if that continues. I you know I don't the way that Kentucky played is one thing you know i wonder if if duke had played a team like wafford a, a system team i i think wafford would have given them a better game than kentucky did last well night. i mm. i tweeted something like this and i still believe it but like duke was getting into the lane like at will and if you're going to stop duke and are going to make adjustments you're going to what your game plan is going to have to be in my mind is just just lock down the paint any way possible. Don't let them drive to the lane. Easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. Super hard. But don't let them do that. Make them shoot over you. Make them take threes. Now, last night they shot 46% from three. That's not what we expect them to do every single it, night. It's not going to hold up. But, yeah, yeah, if they shoot that from three every game, they might be unbeatable. Part but, of that, you you do have to you, you have to give credit to and the, stop transition baskets. Sorry, yeah. that's super important. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, you just have to give credit to the fact that Kentucky couldn't stop turning the ball over and could not guard on the perimeter. Like I cannot remember how many times I watched Zion Williamson like take a dribble or two and then just completely blow by whoever was attempting to guard him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're you're gonna run into a a world of hurt if you are if you're yeah. a Kentucky fan in this game. And and I also think it's interesting. I didn't think about it this the way you said it until just now, Mike. About a system team might have done better because Cal was yanking guys from Kentucky who were not getting back on transition, who were taking those kind of like early shot clock threes and then just standing there watching as Duke like immediately pushed the pace, which they're mm-hmm. going to try to do all season. Yeah. And if you have to be back before them, that's just yeah. big picture yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And this is the only reason I'm treading lightly. I will say this. I think I underestimated their freshman because I saw that class in person at MVPA camp, you know, with uh, Quinn Early and Quickly and all those guys, and I didn't see those three, okay? And I saw that class, and I'm like, it's it's a down year as far as this freshman class. So I think I just equated that to the Duke freshman. I'm like, there's no way they can be as good as, you know, Bagley and Wendell and all these guys. So, so that's what I thought. I, I think I might oh, be wrong To my mind, there. they're so much better. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I had to see it to believe it. Yeah. Now, secondly, I think the... Canada trip really helped them with their chemistry. So um, they seem like they're way ahead of the curve. And the, you can get one of these trips, I think, once every four years, I believe, is the rule in college basketball. Oh, it seems like they take one every single year. It seems like well, every maybe, team well, is maybe, always Maybe Krzyzewski has his own roles for this one. You know, and like that, Caroline is always in the Bahamas or something. <laughs> like, and, and finally, I will say this to folks. We've overreacted before. I remember watching, I think, with you, when Jabari Parker and Duke played against Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. And Jay Billis went... You know, crazy saying, well, this is, you know, this is the national title preview, you know, like who can beat <laughs> yeah. these teams? And you know what? Come March, they sucked. They lost, Duke lost to Mercer, and then uh, the Wiggins and B team didn't even get to the Sweet 16. So a lot can change. You got to pump the brakes, I think, a little bit on anointing a team. Now, the only time, I think the only aberration from that, if we're looking at Champions Classics of the past teams, was uh, the Towns Kentucky team was an was that was an aberration and uh, the Davis Kentucky team. So those mm-hmm. were the two that you know ended up being there at the end of the year. Yeah. Let, let but, me. Ask- but a lot of the times, you know, we got to and and of course you could say the the Jaleel Okafor team 
was another one, but it doesn't always happen. So let's let's settle down, everybody. Let's Here, settle down. Here's the question that has haunted me, and it's for three of us specifically. Do I, you, we regret that three of us picked Virginia to win the ACC this year? I don't. I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm overreacting. I immediately regret it. <laughs> well, I think Duke's gonna, Duke's gonna win in a runaway. Uh, I regret picking Duke fifth. Like, I don't <laughs> think that's gonna happen. I think the chances of that happening are probably pretty high. <laughs> no, I, regret, or, I regret you know, putting, fifth. putting North Carolina where I put them. Not as a referendum on North Carolina, but how I think Syracuse and Duke are going to end up being. I think they're going to be better than Carolina. But, you know, it's been one game, and I'm already morphing out of that. But I'm sticking with my title pick. Because, you know, uh, whenever Duke shows well on the first game of the season, first month of the season, you know, I have a lot of UVA fans in my life who panic, text me, and panic call me, and and say we have no chance, and then, you know they always end up being it always ends up being a really good game. So mm-hmm. every text I send you is in a panic. Yeah, I mean, and let me say Even one other thing about Duke. One thing that I was legitimately impressed with, you know, uh, was actually Duke's defensive effort. I thought that Jack White in particular played yeah, really played well. well. I thought he hedged really well. Um, he stopped a lot of that Kentucky pick and roll that they wanted to do on, on the wing and at the top of the key. Um, I thought he I thought he was phenomenal. Delorier got in tr- foul trouble early. Um, so, Bolden's still bad. I'm sorry. It he's like still, they he's were, still not good. It seemed like they were able to hear right. He's still, I'm, he's still I'm not gonna, a great player. But <laughs> I said that years it ago. It seemed I'm like Duke was it. able to get a hand on everything, that their length legitimately bothered Kentucky, which is something you haven't seen uh, defensively. So if they can stay locked in, uh, Duke, if they can do that, then I think they have a... They can have a serious impact in the ACC in terms of winning the ACC. Obviously, I, they'll be a national contender. I all do year. think he can get to the rim with them. That's if that's the only thing I, I learned from last night. I do think he can get to the rim with that team. Yeah, and Kentucky did it in yeah. spurts. They did. That's that's absolutely true. I mean, I think w- within baskets within uh, four feet um, defensively, they they allowed almost. Uh, over one point per possession, which was one of the highest totals of all of last night. So within the basket, I, I, within four feet, I think they played really mm-hmm. well. Okay, let's go on to another matchup from last night's. Uh, let's let Guthrie start this one because I saw him watching film studiously earlier today of Florida, Florida State. We were, we were going back and forth between that game and Duke a little bit at the beginning or once we knew that the outcome had been determined. But gosh, what a, what a butt kicking. What a sh- What a great... <sighs> Opening yeah. night showing, and they won in in Gainesville, I think, last year, right? They did. Yeah, they've won yes. in this series. This is the fifth straight, the fifth five in a row, fifth straight time. Yeah, it's amazing. That's incredible. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Florida's still winning the series by like twenty games or something like right. that. Right. Thanks, Billy Donovan. Yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. battle, the battle for the Florida that no one wants to live in. You know, that's what I, that's what I consider this matchup. You know, Northern Florida might as well be the most southern part of Georgia. You know, nobody wants to live there. So I'm going to add that to Mississippi. Apparently, I'm just like really not a fan <laughs> of this We can area. just alienate whole swaths of the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of New Orleans. We but don't everything like else on that latitude, uh, you just burn it. Um, anyways, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought Florida burn State, <laughs> you talk about, you know, obviously winning five straight against Florida, but you talk about an active defensive team. You know, last night, I mm. thought that they, they were the most active team defensively that I watched. Um, you know, I went back and looked at it uh, via Synergy Sports, and they only there were only three uncontested jump shots by Florida all night last night. 
Only three. They didn't make a single one of them either, Florida. This kind of speaks to how poorly they played as well. But um, I mean, that that's Last a phenomenal night was a number. Stats night. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a so, stat. There were milestones. There were milestones all over yeah. the place. Similar Similar by to thirty my other and forty in one point. They limited Florida to point eight three offensive efficiency. In contrast, Pitt all of last year had an offensive efficiency of 98.9. So, <laughs> not good. And, yeah, I mean, I thought their defense looked great, just bodies flying everywhere, deflections. Yeah. I mean... I mean, what what were your thoughts overall? I guess got their yope and talking about Florida State. I mean, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on MJ Walker last night? Um, I, I thought that he, you know, physically was the most imposing player on the floor. He looked like a better version yeah. of Dwayne Bacon. Yeah. He's he's going to be a force this season for sure. I I think we might have I don't, I can't remember if we talked about him at all in the preview. Yeah, we but, mentioned him. I, yeah, I, I mentioned him once. We definitely just... we definitely missed the uh, the Phil Kofer injury, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention it. Yeah, to mention I thought it. that starting five. I mean, I'm a huge PJ Savoy truther, so I've always mm-hmm. wanted him to start, and he's Man. probably the guy who comes out when Phil Kofer comes back in. Unbelievable game from him, but yeah. it just adds that much more shooting. And their defense creates so many open looks when it's working. I even thought in the first half they were kind of sloppy, like they were still getting into it. If they had been like tightened up, like maybe they might be later on in the season, the game could have been a much bigger blowout much earlier in the mm-hmm. game. You know, you talk about P.J. Savoy as a shooter. He's one of those shooters that you actually don't have to watch the ball. You can just hear how quickly and sharply it goes through the net you know it's just one of those snaps to it you know you almost feel like it's going to light on fire after the ball goes through pj savoy i I thought set the tone early on um by stretching the floor and then you know people like cobin cobin gelly and um terrence mann was able to get into the paint uh trent force i thought did a great job protecting the ball but really i thought it was mj walker's physicality that Mm -hmm. that turned the game early and then florida's just overall inability to score or do anything um you know to get get penetration and david nichols david nichols gave him some really good minutes Mm -hmm. he didn't score i think he only hit like one shot yeah but But active defensively yeah incredibly incredibly annoying defensively for Mm -hmm. uh for the backcourt of florida and uh, i mean there were some bright spots some bright spots for Florida, I'd say. Uh, I liked the freshman uh, Nem- Nemerd. I think that's how you say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Yeah. Uh, he he, you know, didn't look like he was a freshman necessarily. He looked mm-hmm. a little little composed. Right. Um, some moments maybe lost his footing, but uh, really, I just like Kavon Allen didn't score. Yeah, Kavon yeah. Allen, what's wrong? I mean, I remember. I remember when he played Virginia, what, two years ago, and and just part of that team that just obliterated the Who's and right, they the embarrassing thirty some odd points. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's lost. it's kind of amazing. Yeah, and no mm. no Chioza out there. You know, you really thought yeah. that Florida would give him a little more, a um, little more fight. Let's but go to takeaways for Florida no State. ability to score. You know Florida who I see, Florida Taylor. I, I know you're on amph- amphetamines or ca- caffeine or something. <laughs> you're gonna have to settle down, okay? You're going to have to settle exactly. just, just gets me You're back up to normal. to calm down. So, it's only the second day of the college basketball season. So the, the things that really stood out to me for Florida State were the active perimeter pressure on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, really disruptive of Florida's ability to run offense. I was so impressed with the perimeter defending. Uh, forcing turnovers, causing like Florida to take entirely way too long to set up offense. Um yeah, that that to me was like the big takeaway. And honestly, like I was kind of I was kind of impressed with Kumaji. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm, I was definitely definitely fading him like coming into the season, but I he he had a very solid game. Have we considered that maybe Florida is just really bad this year? And well, Florida here's, State what, just here's something good. I would have considered about Florida State come March. You know, maybe they are just a team that's better built for March because you're going to get a lot of tight whistles in ACC games, and it's going to put opponents on the line. They love to play up in your face. And if you're playing in the triangle, the only exception is PNC Arena. Sorry, NC State fans, you don't quite get the same treatment. But, I mean, how many guys are going to be sitting on the bench due to foul trouble like when they're playing in Cameron and the mm-hmm. Dean Dome? Well, they're There's so be deep. A lot and they're so deep. They're no, 11, they're 11 uh, or 12 deep. Okay, forget that I said foul trouble. How about the other team getting free points at the line? There that's, you go. that's the only thing that's yeah. going to, I think you need to be wary of with Florida State. However, I think when it comes to tournament games, I mean, they let you play. Mm-hmm. They re- NCAA tournament games, they let you play. So let, let's store that in the, start that in the, in the bag, okay? Mm-hmm. Can you yeah, remind me about this? Yeah, I will. I will. And you know, I know that you're not a after not you, a fan after you guys of tie me to the chair. Come March, you're gonna tie me to the chair, and then you're gonna remind me of this. It's gonna be so like you, torture. You're feeling like this is a good moment that needs to be recorded. I will timestamp this. Are we this recording this? Twenty oh, minutes <laughs> in. Yeah, twenty minutes in. I'll play this back for us okay, so that we let's can. Let's talk about uh, the team that was this. not at the Ding Dong, North Carolina. They were on the road. They opened up against Wofford. Right. They lost to last year. The opening of the new stadium there at Wofford. Did you know that last night? Little wow, little I random did, fun did fact. Not, I did not know that. <laughs> really happy that that information got out. So <laughs> I don't even know the name of it. The Richardson the, Indoor Stadium. Ah, very nice. Well, I think that might be the, well, the, this is what, the this auxiliary is what Ken, gym. Ken Palm says. Oh, but well, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe it's, it's out, outdated. I don't know. I'm glad they went heavy Kobe White. I don't care if he had some bumps in the road. He had a huge corner three late, pretty fearless, made some turnovers, whatever. Kenny Williams, I don't know what's up with that guy. I, I will never figure him out. And then finally, let's talk about... Zero points is what you're referring to. Yeah, or yeah. just yeah, terrible shooting. After I called him the best player on the UNC team. <laughs> yeah, he and he and Buddy Bay were, head, were duking it out to see who had the worst <laughs> shooting night. Uh, I don't know who had the worst shooting nights. What, what did Kenny go, like 0 for 8 and Buddy went 1 for 11? I think Do it was math. only 0 for 3. Anyway, more from UNC. Garrison Brooks, like that player who Roy's just got, who we all forget about. And I tweeted this out, you know, just stashes them. And well, everybody yeah, thought it would be manly. Right? Really well. I still am man on manly. I think he's a stash yeah, player. Yeah, I, th- well. I think he's really good. There's multiple stash players. Wait, in this so, team. Uh, so as someone that did not watch this game, why did Sterling manly only play eight minutes? He was not relevant. I think Garrison Brooks played so well that they did yeah. not require Sterling Manley. Um, they did not require did his not services. Re- oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, okay. You know, and, and you talked about uh, Kobe White there. You know, I think when things started to look a little bit bad for North Carolina, when Wofford, and who, who's a good team who I think can really compete um, in, yeah, so, in the SoCon this year. Yeah, I mean, Fletcher McGee was off last night, but when things got tough for North Carolina, Roy was quick to pull those freshmen. I mean, Nasir Little and Kobe White uh, didn't play in some of the bigger minutes. You know, you had the steadier hands of uh, Seventh Woods in there. You know, Seventh really wasn't doing a lot. First but, time that sentence has ever been uttered. I'm telling you, Co- Kobe White, Kobe White had a series of turnovers earlier in the game, and Roy pulled them pretty quick. Yeah, they were a little shaky. They're, they're freshmen. Were you surprised Little didn't start? I was. I was really surprised that that Little didn't start. I, I didn't... 
I, at first I was looking for him on the court and I was like, oh man, did I miss this injury? I, you know, I thought he got, you know, injured in warmups or something. Yeah, I, I didn't understand it and I don't know why, why it happened. Um, and I still don't know. Uh, maybe there's some type of learning curve there, I guess. I mean, you know, Little only played 20 minutes total and he was, I thought, a great matchup for this game. It was really Cam Johnson and his three-point shooting that separated North Carolina. You know, there was it was mostly a one-possession game uh, through the first 30 minutes. Luke made... It's just a guaranteed twenty. Yeah, I don't. He, I, he's I still surprising. don't know how. It's just a guaranteed twenty. Well, especially against teams like this. Well, no, you say that, but Cam Jackson is is a great cover for Luke May. Uh, he's a he's a very good defender, and he he can outwork Luke May in the post. And but Luke May was surprisingly athletic in this game. You know, not only a series of jumpers, but you know, a series of head fakes to get some in ones. Um, but really, it was Cam Cam Johnson that was able to stretch the floor for mm-hmm. UNC. I mean, he he was their MVP. I know on Ken Palm, it's technically listed as Luke May, but if you were to ask me, I think it was Cam Johnson. I you know, they pulled away from a tough Wofford team and got a huge win on the road, even though it may not seem like it. it may seem like they disappointed. North vengeance, Atlanta. vengeance. For so last overall, year. this mm-hmm. game is a is. It makes uh, a plus for your in your mind for North Carolina. Absolutely, this huge okay. plus that I think will be overlooked by the general public. They covered by a half a point. You know, it was a ten and a half point line. And by the way, guys, I don't know that I've mentioned this yet. You know, according to the new net rankings, okay, Uh-oh. this is important. <laughs> new net rankings for NCAA. So when you win a game, the threshold for the NCAA now in evaluating games is ten points. Okay, if you win a game by more than ten points, it doesn't matter. There's, it's whatever after ten points. Eleven but you, is the same. You as win 20. by ten in that that in that weight that the NCAA is using for their net rankings is there. So anytime you see these lines in ten, nine and a half, eight and a half, know that those teams that are playing that are favored are always going to be pushing a little extra hard to be at ten or more. So just a little little nugget That's there for you. That's so strange. I, to I, me. You think so? You think they're aware of that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I think I absolutely think so. I'm aware of it. I'll tell you what I'm not comfortable with yet. Is Vegas Mike going all synergy nerd quadrant threshold? This is <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite comfortable with this. Can your children start crying and keeping you up a little bit later? Here's here's the dirty. When is this gonna end? Is, is this gonna is this gonna be a season long trend? Hey, look, I I'm just trying to lay some groundwork. For myself, I think what you're hearing me is talk through a lot of my own my own issues, my own strategies. But when it comes down to it, I mean, I I'm the same person that you know. If I see if I see a bright flashing light in the distance, I'm gonna run for it. And I'm gonna ask questions later. Okay, I mean, you know, whatever that Joker phrase is, I don't know what I'd do if I actually caught the car. You know, if I I'm just a dog chasing cars and don't know what I'd do if I catch it. You know, I I don't know what I would do if I actually hit a money line bet for a uh, underdog by ten points. But I'm gonna keep betting. Them. Let me tell you the dirty little secret here. Mike would have you believe that his life is all Marlboro Reds and Bud Heavies, you know, <laughs> at some smoky bar in Reno. Really, he he loves a good deep analytics dive on some obscure like statistical website. That's you know that's the one foundation stone of this huge edifice that is Vegas, Mike Jaffe. Yeah, look, there's got to be a method to the madness. I'm right? glad you're not going on screen the screener because you'd leave us. <laughs> You Me would. personally? No, Mike would. He'd oh, leave okay. us. <laughs> oh, He'd no, us. no. Speaking of which, I'm we glad didn't you even mentioned announce. that. Yeah. Right. yeah, so I guess I'll be the one to announce it. Uh, Luke, our, 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 our great professional, 
you know, oh, true, the true one voice, professional on this the podcast. one professional, thank God, um, <laughs> you know, is going to go on the renowned and well-respected uh, podcast, Screen the Screener, which if you haven't checked it out, you need to check it out as soon as possible. Well, he'll be going on as a, um, as a UVA guru, and he'll be educating the masses on uh, everything UVA and understanding their basketball team and how that operates and who's who's out there to watch things that you guys get yeah. for free is little nuggets yeah, yeah. um in your welcome gonna, i'm gonna try to talk offense because everybody in their sister now has had a pack line breakdown including mm-hmm. seth greenberg yeah so, so anyways I mean, i'm very happy YouTube, for you that's yeah, that's phenomenal and, focus and, on their offensive sets and down the road we plan to welcome uh gus from screen the screener on to give us a little look outside the ACC and tell us what mid-major team and the, yeah. the three of us are not going to be able to get a word in because Mike Dude, is going to be I want that I want that interview hard I, I mean I just finally have someone to talk about the MEAC with I mean who else are you going to talk about the MEAC with <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who else. Yeah. Yeah, I asked a coworker today to name four teams in the SoCon. Couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? This is America, damn it. Yeah, he know. didn't vote either. I, you know, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> who are these people? Oh, wow. Anyways. All right. Um, uh, got, speaking of Virginia quick hits, I, I feel good about the early returns of my Ty Jerome theory. I feel mm-hmm, good about him. Mm-hmm. Just could throw that out there. Had 20 points in a... How much did they beat Towson by? 31, 32? I know they got they the cover. They covered. Yeah, they, they got the cover. Didn't look like it early. It was a classic, like, Virginia strangles you, even though it looks a little close well, in first half. Speaking of Virginian mm-hmm. spreads, I, I think this year we might see a little less green team, although we did see a manager get in the game, which was really interesting. Oh. A manager got in the game. Wow. I know. My boss was doing the game, and, you know, he didn't have number one on the roster. It was. It really was something. Some kid, you know, got in there. Number one, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Did he score? I should know Grant, this. Grant Kersey. There you go. Thank you. Guthrie. How did he get in the game? Did he post Why? a trillion? I think it's, he's a manager. I didn't realize and, he was a manager. And they were winning by a lot. So but you have to expect that Kihei Clark and Jay Huff are going to play late in games, even if they're blowouts. And like they're going to score. Like those two are going to score. They play well together. So that's something to keep in mind if you're looking at. Um, you know, Virginia. Let's also just know that his Twitter handle is at uh, White Mamba GK20. So he, yeah. probably, he probably deserved to get into the game on the strength of that alone. Mm-hmm. Other observations. I thought that Braxton Key was a pogo stick. He was really active. Mm-hmm. He was like a smaller, a little bit smaller, thinner Wilkins who had more bounce. Oh. I thought. I mean, he was pogo sticking all over the place. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was very good on the, the glass. I think he got nine boards. Uh, DeAndre had a double double. He was fine. He didn't. He didn't need to take over, and you could see that in him. And uh, Kyle Guy. Um, I don't know. We'll see if he. Uh, see if he gets it uh, back together. I mean, this is just judging from la- last night in the scrimmage. It hasn't really been this. I mean, it's just two games, but we'll see. What's wrong with Kyle Guy? I I am kind of worried. You know, I'm the overreact here. I'm ready to. Is be he like, settling What's going on? now that he's engaged? <laughs> Did the hype get to his head? He's settling for jumpers oh, now that on? he's settled for a woman. Is that what I'm hearing? Now, what, what oh, was the issue? Right. What's the issue that you've seen with him? Is he, yeah, what's is going he on with not Kyle taking Kyle? good jumpers? This. I mean, he well, he predominantly shoots three pointers. We, uh, uh, weird body language. What's he not doing well? What was, oh, sorry, you were at the what game. You were there in body person. Language. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. There was definitely body language happening. Mm. I was gonna. I was gonna pass this. I, mean, I guess it's always happening. To some degree, it's happening. Ninety <laughs> percent of all communication and all that jazz. It's you nonverbal. Know? Yeah, yeah. You got it. 
So I was going to pass this to the two gentlemen who have been through the uh, the engagement process, and I followed it all the way through. I got married. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> you know what's so I didn't funny? Realize. I literally did not even realize you were talking about like fiance marriage engagement. I thought now that he's engaged, like he's actively involved with the team, like he was disengaged before. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm like, he oh, was, now he's got his he head was in the game. Totally not a part of the team, you know, last season yeah, or the season invested. before. <laughs> Uh, wait, was there a follow? Was there a question there? I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It's it's fine. It, you know, it, it's not even you know a question that we necessarily need to uh, to dive into. Yeah, well, it's a lot to handle as a as a college kid. Gosh, I couldn't have done it. Yeah, being a grade A first team All ACC basketball player, and mm-hmm. you know, about to be a groom as well. That's a lot. Anyway, I think there's going to be a game where Kyle is going to come out and just be like, "Hey guys, you forgot about me," and I'm I'm going to drop like. 25, which for Virginia standards is like dropping, I don't know, 33. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, that'll happen. I, yeah, it probably happens in ACC play. Yeah, we'll I, see. Look, we'll I mean, I look it. around the ACC. I mean, I look at teams like Florida State, Syracuse, and Duke, and I see how big and long and athletic they are and how active they are defensively. And I do wonder if that does, if that will affect somebody as, as slight as Kyle Guy is. Whereas you look at Ty Jerome, and, you know, he, he looks like a bigger guard. He looks like a perfect matchup for like a, a Frank Howard or, you know, an RJ Barrett. You know, I do wonder how the physicality of Kyle Guy will continue to play in the ACC. It also looks like Virginia's going to go smaller this year. Uh, Clark got a lot more minutes than I think a lot of people expected. And mm-hmm. I, I had heard whispers in the summer about him being a. A big piece of this team, but yeah, he's he's gonna play a lot. Mm. And finally, one other observation. Did I have one more observation? Oh, I have one. Okay, go ahead because I just blanked. Let's hear it. Pit, pit one. Let's go. Pit one. Let's pit, go pit one. You're undefeated. They beat Youngstown State. Okay, that's it. I mean, that that's an important. They're one zero. They're one zero. We for didn't pit. get a Kevin Stallings take a dump in the first game like yeah. we've seen recently. So no, that, that was, was good. Great. Uh, did you guys uh, keep track of Clemson? At all? I did. Clemson Citadel. Yeah. Um, pretty high scoring affair. You know, not. Yeah, Brad Brownell's changed his stripes. Give me something for that. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you made that exact same joke last week. Did I? <laughs> yeah, there was something about stripes. I don't know. Well, I you to, must have made it. I hate to, you know, yeah, slow your roll Clemson, here. Clemson. Offensive team now. 180. Not last really a surprise. Years. You know, Citadel is among the top five teams, or was last year, in running fast break points. You know, they're a transition team. And I think that they they hadn't – I'm not going to say they had them on their heels, but it was a, it was under 10 for most of the game. Um, Clemson defensively, I thought, struggled quite a bit. And there's a game where Elijah Thomas didn't really have a home. Um, he honestly looked a little bit out of shape. Um, but, you know, I wonder – you That's know, your boy. Yeah, I know, and I, I wonder watching that that Citadel game though so up and down, and then I then I watched Duke like right after that, right? And so I'm like, well, that's a nightmare matchup. So that's that is one that I'll be circling on the calendar. You know, when Duke does play Clemson, I think that's one at least here day one of reaction day looks like a horrible matchup for Clemson. I, I do not see them keeping up with these more traditional up and down teams. Um, that's for sure. I, I thought they were very poor defensively. NC State. Dropped 100 on Mount St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. One beat by 50. Beat him by 50. How excited are you? My goodness. How I mean, excited are you right I'm now? just the Keats era. Just tell me. It's in full effect. <laughs> Let it They're out. moving he, fast. He is moving the ball. It's going to be great. So I had I had to like look this up. This is incredible to me. When was the last time, do you think, that Clemson scored 100 points at a basketball game? Because, I mean... Like we just alluded to, Brownell is not necessarily known for his uh, offensive prowess. Was it Ed prowess. Scott? 
Was it an Ed Scott hot shooting night? 2007. Oh, wow. It's not... I mean, maybe 2007, but there's one more recent than that. Uh, it is a Purnell year. Oh. Anyway, oh, wow. I was... It's it's 2010. They beat, they beat Winthrop mm. in 2010. The Eagles. They <laughs> score 102 <laughs> points. That's a classic. That is SoCon incredible team. to me. Another thing I'd like to <laughs> point out. Oh, I was going to say. I am... So I, I gave Mike a little bit of grief for, you know, going all nerd on us. But I do love that you're back to embracing mid-majors and other oh, teams. Love because, you know, first podcast, I was a little disappointed. We were like, oh, this ACC is all that matters this year. So part of me died. But what? now I'm back. Now you're back talking what? about, you know, the SoCon and Winthrop. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, Look, I'm trying to fulfill a very specific niche for our audience. I feel like there are other podcasts out there where they can get these different facets of college basketball. I don't want to be one that covers everything because there's just too much of it. There are too many teams. There are too many angles. There's too much greatness out there. So I want to be able to fill that ACC void in people's lives as deeply and fully as I possibly can. Um, and I'm willing to give everything I have. And I mean, I'll give it all. I'll give it all to each and every person in this room, each and every listener out there. You know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to bringing it for all of us. I I, I don't want to get choked up. I don't want to get choked up. We need to have like nice, soothing background uh, music. Speaking while, of engagements, uh, that's Jeff how you propose. That. That's, that's <laughs> how you start a relationship right there. That was like get Jerry Maguire. Well, you know what you know his pickup that's line a, that's, probably that's was. Point. His pickup line was. Listen, Chattanooga's a tournament team, as is Eastern Michigan. <laughs> yeah. What he said was, I'm going to fill that void for you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, I take that back. We'll cut that out. Get, yeah, Guthrie, uh, I remember, I'll never forget Guthrie. That, that was, was like, that are was you guys crazy? Me. North Carolina's going to kill him. <laughs> and yeah. then, uh, Mike's like, oh, I see him keeping it within uh, single digits here. I know they're 20-point dogs, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I lost by 30. <sighs> so every team in the ACC won. Last night, yeah, Boston I, College, Notre Dame. Anything to say about them? They won. Yeah, no, and and everybody, all but two covered. You know, so um, just a great night for the ACC overall. Anyways, well, you know, we haven't mentioned uh, a team who did show very well, especially on the defensive side of the floor, oh, and that would yeah. be the Syracuse Orange. Absolutely. Qu- we're going to dive into their zone in moments, but quick hits on their beatdown of Eastern Washington. O'Shea Brissett looks like he might have leveled up. Yeah. That, that was my observation from that game. Right. Lots of yeah. talk about him in the offseason, how hard he's been working. Um, came out and had 20, 20, 20. or 22 last night with eight 20, boards. Yeah. Um, Buddy Bayhai made a shot, but he was one of 11. Yeah. So, you know. Everybody oh, shot well. poorly. It To no one's surprise, Syracuse is still a terrible shooting team. Um, they were actually, statistically from speaking, three. one of the worst teams overall in all of last night. They were awful I shooting. I think both teams shot 17%. They did. Yeah. And Syracuse is not going to shoot 17% from three. Every and it was night, stats obviously. night all over the place. Stats, Ugh. stats, stats. Ugh. Nuggets all over the place galore. But yeah, they were one of the best defensive teams in America last But if night. you can get a, a next level of scoring from Brissett, that's a big deal for Syracuse because mm-hmm. they can just find some scoring that defense is going to be right there for them. Yeah. Mm. yeah they, played, they played a great great game of basketball start to finish. Ten points in the first half for Eastern, Eastern Washington. Something else. Mm. That's right. amazing. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. 
Well, it's time to bring our first guest of season four into the podcast. And we are honored to be in the presence of an assistant coach. Zach Bover joins us now. He is of Army West Point. Got off to a nice start with a win in their opener. They've got a big one coming up on Sunday against, you guessed it, the Duke Blue Devils. So we're going to chat some X's and those. We're going to talk some 2-3 zone and a lot more. So, Taylor, how about you uh, go ahead and take point on this one? Sure. And, uh... Coach, you know, you operate um, pickandpop.net where you write a lot about the strategy, tactics, analytics. You even share some coaching clinic notes from around the nation. And so we, you wrote recently about Syracuse 2-3 zone. So what if you could give us the sales pitch, the quick ideology of the Bayheim zone, what, what's the two-sentence sales pitch for that zone that sets it apart? Well, I, I think, you know, and one thing is, and I'll kind of circle, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit and, um, I think Jim Beheim plays the role that he's trying to play very well because I think there's a, you know, aw shucks, you know, way about him that he wants to portray. And it's very interesting that there's a lot more to it. And he kind of dresses it up like, hey, this is what we do. It's nothing fancy. It is what it is. And, it's interesting as the game evolves and it becomes the analytic side of the game is exposed and then people are diving more and more into that. You realize that Jim Beheim was so ahead of his time with a, with, with that stuff because the things that the two three zone allows are mid range jump shots. They don't allow shots to the rim. They take away good threes. They do give up a a high percentage of threes, but such a large portion of those threes that they give up are at the end of the shot clock. So when you take a look at it, where everyone's talking about the analytical rage and you realize Jim Beheim's been doing this for 30 years and really been doing it exclusively since the mid-'90s, and you start to realize there's a little bit more to what, you know, he's just kind of poor. He's playing that. He's playing a part there with that all shucks way about him. Yeah, and one of the things you write about is that, you know, he – Exactly what you said. He kind of he really started going to the zone in like '96, and even then, people weren't even talking about analytics. Now he kind of has that. I'm sure he feels vindicated. I'm vindicated. I'm sure it's a good boost for his yeah, ego. And I don't know how much you know he would even cite the analytics. I don't know how much he certainly wouldn't cite it back then. But it's just as that as Atlantic's critic crowd grows louder and louder, you start to realize there's really something to this zone that he plays, which. Um, and it's just so much more to than them just simply dropping back and, um, you know, like every CYO coach in the country who, you know, who feels like he's a little undermanned, you know, the, uh, you know, the answer for every one of those guys is, all right, let's play 2-3 zone. And there's obviously so much more to what Syracuse does, and it's really it's very interesting. As you see, as you see them, there's slight nuances that they'll do from one year that they won't do the next um, that makes – Every zone that he plays, just a little bit different. And even uh, I was just watching their clips, uh, their clips from their win last night. And, and there's just slight little nuances that they'll do differently this year that they did from last year. And that's what's really interesting in that he's a master coach and he's able to tweak the zone to what he wants and to take something away for a certain team or to take something, you know, to really emphasize something with a particular roster that he has. One of the things that has become a cliche almost about uh, the Bayham zone is that it's hard to prepare for on a short turnaround, especially in like an NCAA tournament setting. 
Do you find that as a coach to be true? Does that hold water for you, or is that kind of just something that talking heads on TV say? No, I, I think um, I, I, I think it absolutely uh, is true. Just because it's so different than your traditional two-three zone as a as a as a coaching staff and as a coach basketball program, you have your two your attack, your zone attack versus two-three zone in. Syracuse is so distinct and so different than what you're the than the two three zone that you have an offense prepared to attack. That I think what happens is they have those tremendous advantages over on those small day rest, you know, on those short rest days. And you know, in the NCAA tournament, you're talking about one day in between an ACC tournament. You're talking about even you know less. So it's just very different. You have to have a distinct package of how to attack that zone because if you roll out there your traditional two three zone attack. You're going to be at you're going to be at that last media timeout of the first half, still still in the teens, and that you know I've been there. It's not a good place to be. So, what is the best way then to attack the zone? What what's the game plan? What are we going to do? Well, it, it, it's so interesting because I'll relate a story that Jim Beheim uh, once and always tells at coaches' clinics, and uh, he'll you know he'll go through his repertoire of, of you know going through their slides and trying to explain the zone and. They'll get a great question, you know, and then they'll open it up to a Q&A from the audience. They'll get a good high school coach stand up and say, how would you defend this action? This is something we run. And um, and he says, well, come on up here and draw it. And, and the guy go, go, walks up to the um, teleprompter and, and, and draws it. And he, and he, you know, and the person always starts with laying down the five X's of the 2-3 zone, and he draws up the play. And Jim, Jim Beheim says, well, the first thing is this, is, you know, in recruiting, we make sure our X is a hell of a lot bigger than that. And so he, and he, and he races all the X's and makes them very large, which his point is this. They're going to recruit everything they do in that basketball program is tailored to that 2-3 zone and making sure they have a tremendous length and that, that spans across the court. And they're always going to make sure they have that shot blocker at the rim. So the way to attack the 2-3 zone is you, you first you need, to, you need to think, and by no means am I coming here with all the answers at all, but um, you need to understand what they're giving up and what they're taking away. And that Jim Bayheim and Mike Hopkins, who, who was the architect of the 2-3 zone for a long time there at Syracuse and has since moved on to Washington, that 2-3, that their 2-3, the way Syracuse plays it with their wings coming so wide and high. So if you can imagine, there are four defenders on the outside of that bottom layer of the zone, of, the, of that three-man uh, three uh, layer. Um, those guys come so wide and high, it's so much higher and wider than a traditional 2-3 zone. And essentially, they what they're trying to do, and they've really morphed that zone with more and more teams shooting threes, that those guys have you know, really come to stay, you know, come attack the ball as the ballast pass to the wing and then fan out to take away the corners. Um, they really almost don't allow you. They're, dare, they're daring you to throw the ball down to the baseline where they're going to trap you and keep you and pin you there on the baseline, or mm. they're daring you to throw it into the high post, and they're going to challenge you, can you make enough of those 15-footers, 16-footers, 17-whatever it is, that are only worth two points? Can you make enough of those to beat us? And as the, my, my point is, as the analytics have become more and more important and have become more and more prevalent, I should say, in today's game, that 17-footer for two worth two points isn't nearly as good of a shot as we thought it as we always thought it was. It's true. And I think that's where as the analytics crowd becomes louder, Bayheim looks even smarter. 
Well, we're in a fortuitous situation because generally I'd ask the guest, imagine you're a coach. Well, you are a coach. So as an opposing coach, let's talk about that high post. And you have a team who's actually potentially goading you into those mid-range jumpers. Does it mess with players' heads knowing that there's somebody behind you, not necessarily contesting a shot, but bothering a shot if you're in that area? And, and they do. And, and, and he's so good, and he's been coaching for so long. Like I said, he's exclusively been doing it for the last 25 years, but he's been doing it for you know even longer than that. And he's you know he's coached not only the you know his team at Syracuse, but also his team you know his experience as a national team assistant under Coach K. Um, in that if he sees you trying to pick on something, they can morph the zone to take that away, where if they, you do have a shooter or you have slid a guard, which is a common thing, which is a common uh, offensive tactic, where rather than uh, what's traditionally a spot that's reserved for a four or five, a power forward or center, you'll slide a guard in there and you have a playmaker. Now Syracuse will make an adjustment. Or even if you do do that, you're, you know, that playmaker is trying to drive and score against you know, what they've, they've recruited to it. So oftentimes it's a seven-footer like it is this year. Uh, multiple seven footers like it is this year, um, so you know that that's a tough spot to be. And you, but even if you're hurting them there, they're going to tweak something and they're going to maybe bring that center up a little bit quicker. And you know they'll try they'll try to shut they'll try to shut up the other options. They'll try to dare you to play one on one. You know with your guard driving at a seven footer. So that's what that's what really mm-hmm. makes it unique is it's uh, so amiable and malleable and, and you can move it and twist it and to and to what the offense is trying to attack you with. They were able to alter it. And they do have that perfect rim protector this year and in the past couple of years no. with Chuck Wu in there. <laughs> it, seems, it seems, like every, it seems yeah. like every year they have it. Okay, uh, let me ask you about another question. This is an observation whenever I watch Syracuse. It seems like their players don't leave each other on islands in the zone, which is an, an important characteristic. I don't. I think that separates them from some other mimicking 2-3 zones. Is, that, is there any validity to that? Well, absolutely. And what you have to it almost good in that, it's a great observation. It also goes back to the question that you asked about: Is it hard to play against? That's you know the talking heads always say. So you know it's so hard in terms of setting. In that, this is what they do every single day. So they're practicing this 365 days a year, and you're trying to get ready to prepare for them. And you're, you might you might have two days, or maybe even some term of setting where you only have the one day to put in that package. So you're they're betting on their 365 days worth of prep first year one or two, and that's where you think these guys, especially as the year goes, they develop a rapport with each other to where it's really, um, as corny as it sounds, it's five guys moving as one, and I think that speaks to your point about, you know, it's always, there's never a guy on an island. It's always, you know, everything everything they're doing as a zone, they're a part, you know, every guy on the court has a part and has a job that they need to execute for the zone to work. Yeah. I'm glad you talked about the the forwards there because one thing I was struck by reading your coaching clinic notes with uh, Mike Hopkins is that uh, which everyone should go read is is the movement that is required from the forwards like sinking to cover the weak side to cut off anything when when the zone shifts and then just a lot more movement than I would think from a zone which has kind of a reputation as being really static um, and you know another team that recently we saw play a little zone and you wrote about them a little bit last year kind of borrowing some elements of uh, the Syracuse zone is Duke. And so considering uh, your next game will be playing against the Blue Devils, how do you feel, especially uh, having seen you know their, their season opener from last night? What, 
And they showed a little zone well, in that, but how do you feel about that? Exactly. And no, how that lines up. They play a little bit more man, and they tried, you know, they played man on their Canadian tour. Um, uh, we were talking short before it came on air, but obviously we, we had a good win last night to open our season. We we uh, we finish up, and of course we turn on the Duke-Kentucky game, and Duke's up 28 already by the time we turn it on. They end up winning by 34. So, um, you know, certainly uh, – you know, we were uh, we we didn't have much time to enjoy our win before we had to turn our sights to uh, getting ready for those guys. But um, it looks like they're trying to play some more man um, than they are. But you know, I, I think at some point he'll certainly turn to the zone. I think it would uh, with their length and athleticism. I think um, any defense they try to play, I think they're going to end up being pretty effective with. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. We know you're you're busy with your prep as we are into the season. And uh, we're going to track you. A lot of our listeners love the mid-majors. They, they love college basketball, no matter what day of the week it is, no matter what conference. So uh, great heritage as far as the night tree at Army. Tell us uh, what we can look forward to for your team in the non-conference, at least in the next couple of months. Uh, in, any games popping off the page besides from Duke? Well, the Duke, the Duke, game, will be, uh, the Duke game will be a lot of fun um, on, on Sunday. And then, uh, you know, from there, we... Uh, we travel around. We stay mostly in the Northeast, except uh, we have our big rivalry game, um, our, probably our secondary rival in that uh, um, Air Force. We travel out to play them in early December out to uh, Colorado Springs. So that will be that will be fun, and we're uh, we keep rolling all the way into uh, you know into the, through December into uh, January, where we get a, we get started with league play, and uh, you know so obviously we're looking to uh, you know keep improving as a team here in that conference play. And uh, you know, get ready, get ready to uh, see what we can do in the Patriot League in uh, January and uh, February. All right, thanks, Coach. Thanks so much, and we'll also read you with your thoughts on breaking down basketball X's and O's. There you go. Once again, thank you. That is uh, assistant coach for Army West Point, Zach Bovair. That was excellent. Now, here's my next question to the four of us, myself included. Which one of us is going to be brave enough to venture to SyracuseFan.com? What a Guthrie's. It's in his favorites bar. To post this podcast to give it to the give it to oh, the Syracuse yeah. masses. I still have an so active th- account, so from, they can tell uh, us how we ask terrible ago. questions and how we we don't know anything about the Syracuse zone. I feel like we need two more hours in a bar. With I'm ready, Coach Zach. I'm ready to get my Coach questions Bobert. criticized, but um, yeah, they'll praise his answers. That's what matters. Yeah, I honestly wanted more information on how he's preparing for Duke. I, you know, I, I I'm going to say that now. I loved the interview. Loved it very much. You guys did a great job. Um, but I need to know if he has. You if flatterer. He, if he himself has succumbed to the hype. I wonder, you know, he mentioned that he started watching the game. They're up 28. Um, you know, what what does that do with the, your team as you're watching that? You know, um, how how does that affect you? I, I think that he's right to be excited. I, I think that there's there's obviously a lot of exposure that comes from that. Let's just hope it's in a positive way for for Army. I, th- I think they have. Uh, I think they'll give them a better fight than Kentucky did, no doubt. Ooh. I do. If anything, it's a big national audience. For They're them. also yeah. going to be underdogs. Yeah. Kentucky, we're not underdogs. So, yeah. Let's talk about some games. Let's pick. What do you say, guys? Yeah, let's, let's get do into it. it. Do it. Oh, picks. Yeah, Guthrie cleaned up yesterday. Oh, you did. You did Just, really well. Uh, well, Kansas uh, minus five and a half didn't quite work. Well, it out. got the four and a half by game time. So I'm, I'm going to give us a win oh, there. That back I think door. We should, was I think we brutal. won that. Yeah, that was. Make your free throws. Yeah. Womp womp. Well. What else was from yesterday? What else did we pick that we so, disagreed on? Oh, uh, I, just, I decided to go down the Florida 
uh, train wreck with Mike. Yeah, so just like a quick mm-hmm. recap on the picks last time. Um, I got Duke and FSU, missed Kansas, if we're saying Kansas. Oh, no, you got to give that to me. I can't start. I can't start. Over. If we're saying, so we, when we were picking, we were saying Kansas minus seven. Oh, right. Gosh, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. oh, so I was I going, with, go I was with, going with five and a half. Well, either, either way. <laughs> I was they, going they, four and a half at game not. time. <laughs> Whatever. It did not cover. So, um, uh, Taylor got got Michigan State, FSU, Luke, you got Duke, and Mike got Michigan State. So, Mike and Luke got one, Taylor and I have two to start the season. (laughs) So it begins. So it begins. We don't need this running tally. Let's let's pick the games coming up. Yeah. The past is the past. Yeah. That's right. I don't. I just want to. I'm just concerned with what is in front of me. Let's okay. let's get to the. Picks. I think this is the lock of the the non-conference. Tennessee at home hosting Georgia Tech. Tennessee is laying 14. Give me the Volunteers and sign me up right now. Sign me up right now. I'm all. I'm in on this Tennessee team. I said it in our opening podcast of the season. Yeah, big fan of the Admiral. You guys go one of you guys is gonna take Josh. I know you are on the road. Are, oh, I'm, are, I'm just waiting to what, pounce on this. What okay. am I what am I missing here? Like wh- the, why is it fourteen? Why is it fourteen? Why is it not twenty? Why is it not like twenty five? I I I think this is this is like a slam dunk. I know. Of of all of the games in the next week, this is the easiest one to me. I think we have to hammer Tennessee. So here's the thing. Hmm. Here's let me allow me to. It's gonna climb. Yeah, it, it's gonna climb. Well, also I think last year Tennessee played at a relatively slow pace. Georgia Tech plays slow. Didn't they score like eighty nine against a team that's not D one? I believe. Right. Yeah, well, Georgia Tech, you know. I, yeah. Ouch, that hurts. I'm sorry. Guys. I I mean, I just think it's gonna be slow enough that you could see yourself into that. And eh, you know, this could be a surprise game. This is Josh Pastner saves his. His job a little bit or oh, starts the that first thing? Game of the, oh, second game of the season. He saves the Should job. we wait to see how they play against Lamar? Yeah, maybe we should. And I, then and then once they once, you know, whatever happens in that game. I don't care if they tear the nets on fire. I, I'm still going to see in this I, game. I, I'm gonna tell you right now that I'm probably it is a wishful thinking and also just like I like you said, I think the line's gonna climb. I'm probably gonna take Georgia Tech with the points and just root for him and have a great time. Um but yeah, it's I, and I don't know that's, how to feel about wonderful. Tennessee. This is going to be a great scouting game. Come Ugh. with the hammer. With I mean, let, hammer. let me tell you, if you're waiting on the Lamar result to make your decision, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's probably not Can, where you want to be. Let's get Jake Tapper to call in the Lamar result. <laughs> the big board, the needle. Uh, I don't know. You, you know, I, I've said I earlier that I have, no, I really have nowhere to go early in the season with these picks uh, because I really, I don't. I, I haven't this is seen the time them. To in, strike. I, I know I, it really is. It really yeah. is a great time a to strike. If you right? have a story about a team and an idea, you got to go. With I it. mean, I, I think Tennessee will be one of the better teams in college basketball this season. You're I think going to win the SEC at home. I think you know only getting only having to cover fourteen again. That ten point cushion I think will be in play. They'll be shooting to be definitely above ten. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech can compete. I, I like Tennessee overall. Mm. They're they're too good and uh, Georgia Tech's too bad. I mean it's just that's not even great analysis, but it won't it, I don't see it, it holding it'll water. do. It's better it'll to be a good Miami, team than a bad team. Lehigh is our next one. This is a Friday game. Let me tell you my story about Miami here. And you've already heard it. They're gonna be better than people think. The offense is going to be much better. I'm going to shoot ahead and say both Miami, Lehigh, and later on uh, against Stephen F. Austin. That's their next game on Tuesday, next Tuesday the 13th. Miami's going to be double-digit favorites in both. 
I'm going to take Miami to cover both of them. I love it. I think they're going to score a ton. I think both those teams have a teeny bit of name recognition as like middle majors that have done some stuff in the tournament in the past. So I think you're going to see the line maybe a little bit more favorable for Miami than you would otherwise. And yeah, I'm all in. Give me Miami. Even even we're, with all the points. So we're saying we're saying they're laying 18. Yeah. Miami minus 18 at home. At home. But 18. 18. I'm taking Lehigh. I'll take Lehigh. I'll be the one. I, I actually I really like Lehigh there getting getting eighteen points. I do too. Lehigh I mean, Lehigh yeah. is very like I don't I I will be the first to admit I don't know much about their team this season, but trust the program. They've well, had a very solid. We, we should have asked program. my man that was just on as they are a Patriot League team. Yeah. Um, seeing how how he considers what he thinks of them, but this is a team that uh, returns almost everyone from last year. Um, they they have a lot of continuity there. Um, I I like them in this matchup against Miami, especially as Miami tries to figure it out a little bit and how all their pieces fit together. I mean, they're a team that played together quite a bit last year, but how do they work in guys like Duke Johnson where where they're going to need points? Miami isn't a high-scoring team anyways. I like I like Lehigh here. You know, they beat Bucknell late in the year last year, who mm-hmm. was a who gave Michigan State quite the fight in the NCAA tournament. So, I, I like them. I like Lehigh plus yeah. 18. They played they played at JPJ last year. Do you remember that game? I do, yeah. And and they have a player Lance Tejada? Tejada. Tejada. Did you just roll the J? (laughs) (laughs) Not in a good way, not in like a Colorado way. I don't know know what I rolled there, but (laughs) I was was flailing around. What what else you got? You got two. I remember he had a terrific game in the Virginia Virginia game. They lost to Virginia, I think, by just under 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got three Lee's and one. Juan Hernandez supporter. Yeah. On to Pitt and the men of Troy. Ooh. This is a single digiter. It's coming your way Monday. So you're gonna have to wait for this one, folks. But yeah, don't we got two Mondays to get to actually. Pitt and Troy. I don't really want to spend too much time on this, but <laughs> Taylor's probably gonna take you know, Pitt and enjoy the ride, baby. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my advice. Uh, they're not going to be favored much this year, so no. it's good to see the Panthers getting um, some respect here early. Um, Where's the game? It's at it's at the zoo, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it, it's at it's it's in Pittsburgh. It is home game with, for Pitt. I'm with Pitt here. That's it's a little low. I can't pretend to know anything about Troy, so. <laughs> but I think there will be enthusiasm from the student base. New coach, new era. They've you know. This is just great. I see, this is why early season picks are the best. <laughs> Malik Ellison might score 50 points on this team. Oh, man. I, I like Troy here. I'm sorry <laughs> to say Oh, it, my goodness. No, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> Troy, Troy is a team, I think, that defensively, um, you know, is, is just solid. Just solid. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it to be a low-scoring affair. I like uh, Pitt to eke it out with a buzzer beater over oh, the wow. over the men of Troy. Man. So, All right. Give me the Troy I'll, I'll the bet, points. I'll bet the under. Okay, there you go. Taylor, who are you picking? Oh, Pitt, of course. Guthrie, remind him. I'll I'll take Pitt. UNC and the once proud Stanford Cardinal. Ooh, this is actually a good game. 
You know, I was a little upset about what they said in the pregame for the Duke UK game about Reed Travis. You know, it kind of kind of threw a little shade at Stanford. Wait, what did that, they say? That, well, you know, that this environment for Reed Travis, this is a Reed Travis going, you know, this environment, he would never see an environment like this playing playing at Stanford. He'd never experience anything near on this level that he's experiencing in the Champions Classic. Now, keep in mind, the arena was only full for about half the game because they lost by 30-something. I was going to say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Anyways, I, I really... I don't know. I, what do you have them at here, Taylor? What's what's the spread? I think we're projecting the spread will be UNC minus 17. Minus 17. A lot Stanford. of points. In the Dean Smith Center the, on the Roy Williams court. Correct. Ding dong. Correct. Ugh, man, nobody gets up for a game like the residents of the ding dong, especially a highly uh, academic game like this. You know, they'll be rallying. You know, <laughs> now, it's a bad stereotype of the UNC fans. I'll, I'll come out for them. They're very um, friendly. Mm. I've been, well, there, been there in person. It's true. Let me tell you. Stan- at least the season ticket holders. Stanford shot really 73%. What a flex, at least the season ticket holders that I sit near. Stanford shot 73% from three in their first game. I like them to just barely cover. <laughs> I think they hit enough threes. Uh, <laughs> give, give, me, give me the Cardinals. Uh, I'll take UNC, freshman at home. I'll play a little bit better. Yeah, I'll take Stanford. Guthrie's definitely mm. going to take UNC. Yeah, I think I'm going to take UNC here. I mean, they they beat Stanford by, what, 24, 26 last season in the mm. first, first just, leg of the home-and-home. Home. These lines are just too low for ACC teams. This is the best conference, guys, including the next one, which I think is too low. I agree. Which You're, is that? Florida State hosting Tulane. Taylor's Florida State Seminoles. Florida State looking to be 14-point favorites. My story, Luke, I love it. I think it's too low. I think there's no letdown game here. Florida State, especially having seen you know what other teams of their caliber are doing, they're going to want to go for another blowout. I, I take them even giving all those points. So how many points are we saying? 14? 14. So um, one, one, one note about this. The game is actually in... Oh, is it in the Paradise? Oh, excuse me. It's in... Oh, it's, it's in Nova. New Orleans. Okay, still. So... You, you, you still, you I'll still, still like, take Florida State. Still like Florida State laying the points. We're gonna have to be vigilant because teams are gonna go to tropical land soon. So you make sure you think about that in the next couple of weeks, okay? Especially when December hits. I think I and think, late November. I I actually I'm I'm gonna take the green wave here. All right. I think uh, the humidity is gonna be too much for Florida State. They're not gonna they're not used to that level of humidity. Like in is Tallahassee. That, I was gonna say they're in Tallahassee. What are you talking about? <laughs> All they're doing is just driving directly west. It's the, they same, play it's the same armpit. They play indoors. I love New Orleans. <laughs> Me too. The humidity is good. <laughs> Guthrie says a talking point too. The humidity. I continue. Okay, sorry. Give me Tulane with the points at home. Okay. Now, this is the same Tulane team that lost nine of their last ten last year. Um, but they were cover monsters. Cover Monsters uh, finished well above 500 against the spread. I also like the Green Wave. Um, you know what? Give me money line, all right? <laughs> Florida State letdown. Oh, <laughs> give me, give me oh, that Green so Wave. It just has to hit once. Yeah, that's <laughs> just right. Once. Just one time. I mean, you were hanging there with Wofford for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On to Miami. Stephen F. Austin. I can't believe we're picking two Miami non-con. We don't games. have to pick this one. I just threw it on there because I wanted to take Miami, Miami two times. 
<laughs> that should be outlawed. We should write a law about that. I think this is even going to be the better one because I think there's a potential. You'll see Lehigh plays Miami pretty close. Miami wins, but it's they don't cover, and it's like single digits. And then they get a very favorable line against Stephen F. Austin. Does Miami play one interesting game besides from the Big Ten Challenge? I think this is going to be an interesting game because okay, Stephen F. Austin still plays that you know, pressing. They were number one in turnovers last year. It's a good test for Miami's new offensive system. I guess this is a real game. You're right. I, I suppose. I just like giving Jim Laranaga a hard time for his scheduling. Because he deserves a hard time about that. It's Cupcake City. Okay, mm-hmm. um, that's all we have, unless you want to do... That's all you listed. So I guess that's all we have. Yeah, I, I, I've left off some of the other games that don't look as intriguing. If you're playing somebody very low down. You had some nine ACC games that Mike can talk about for about an hour, but yeah, I don't really I, know, know if they're pop-off-the-page games. If, if, games you want to look at to get a little bit Wichita of... Wichita State-Providence, maybe. I Wichita think, State's not the same team as last year. I don't know if they're going to be oh, very they're bad. exciting. They're yeah. bad. I think if you're looking for a game to watch on Friday, Washington and Auburn could be good. I personally picked that out just because... I don't know much about either of those teams. They're teams that are both projected to be what a great good way to spend year. your Friday night, folks. But Washington yeah. at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a great activity. <laughs> <laughs> That's legitimately what yeah, I'll be doing. Jay, do Taylor's going to pack 12 and ill. I will probably not be watching that because I will be watching Arkansas <laughs> and Texas. That game is very intriguing to me. Yeah. What's the scoop on Arkansas this year? I mean, I really like Arkansas. I mean, I obviously I oh, last say year. That, <laughs> yeah, I went in debt because of your takes on Arkansas last year. <laughs> I believed. I believed they had they had such a great guard lineup, you know. They I I'm a sucker for guards in the tournament, obviously. I guess everybody is. Um but but this year I I think that they'll they'll continue to bring in they have um they have a lot of depth in the front court as well. Um I'll, I'll be interested to see what what they're able to bring to the table earlier in the season. Um mm. but I don't know. I, you know, again, ACC laser-like focus. I just want to talk about that manager that got in the game for UVA. I want to see if he's going to get any more minutes. What's the over/under on him for the rest of the season? Mm, zero. Yeah, I was say, on that note, <laughs> he wears Zion's number. Oh, you know, maybe a, we get a, get a one-on-one. You know? Yeah, we didn't talk enough about Zion. What would you like to say? Uh, no, no, no. I just literally the guy that knows nothing and has paid zero attention to college basketball for you know all the years that I've ever known him at work comes up to me <laughs> like today. It is like, hey, 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 Jaffe, hey, you see that college basketball game last night? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Didn't mention that I record a podcast. Not a big deal. I just wipe it off. Um, I said, wow, so yeah. wonder we don't have <laughs> he does, enough. He does, uh, um, yeah. Sponsors. So, but he doesn't this care. is why we don't have enough sponsors. <laughs> he knows. He knows, but he doesn't care. And I'm not an advocate. Um, so he comes up to me. Hey, hey. There's this guy for Duke. He's like, it's like 290 pounds. First of all, why does everybody keep telling me how much Zion weighs? I mean, it's like... Well, it is impressive. So it's a great... It is impressive. What an athlete. I've never seen anything like it. I was like, oh, is that the first time you've seen him play? And he looks at me like I've got three heads, and I realize that it's the first game of the season. You know, that everybody else, this is the first time that, like, he's been brought into the living room for people. Like, he's well, been I mean, living on... Canada. He's been living on YouTube in my life for a number of months, you know? I mean, <laughs> oh, I, oh, here's what we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about earn everything. 
Oh what? Oh yeah. Oh, oh you mean the ESPN Plus? We need, yeah. we need to do that next oh, episode. Oh yeah. I have lots of thoughts. Yeah. Well, Jay Billis even referenced it when he talked about the, the um, being able to take earning uh, standing threes against Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. When he talked about being able to take standing threes, because if you oh, listen yeah, to that, earn yeah. everything in the little snippet they play, Coach K is subtly referencing. He's, he's referencing LeBron it's just a James. Brag. It's really a humble. It's given. a brag. Like, I, What's he I, say? LeBron James. I talked to Kelby. Who Carmelo to Anthony and someone else that he's coaching for Team USA at the time. Let's say Dwayne Wade. And he's like, you know, I told no. He told Kobe. Kobe, you got to learn how to take standing. Can you threes. do the voice? Can you do a take voice? Please? Can you three? try? I can't. I can't do a Coach K voice. I don't have it in me. <laughs> no, I still don't have it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clear my throat though. But yeah, he, he was he was subtly referencing those three players when talking specifically to Cam Reddish, Zion, and RJ Barrett about hey guys, you gotta learn how to take standstill threes. What's what happened, Zion Williamson last night? Very first three, standstill three. Jay Bills, well, you know, Coach K's been working on those standstill three. You know, nice subtle plug by Jay there. He's a company man. Anyways. We should cut out all the stuff about picks. None of that other crap matters. You guys are all wrong. None of that garbage matters. You guys got no depth there.